This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, so wonderful to be with you here today. Uh, the team's been great. Thank you for uh, hosting me so well. And it's just been wonderful here in South Africa. <laughs> so now you can have, you have an international speaker here today. And I'm going to bring the word. And we know when the word comes from America, that's where God talks, man. Okay, so... I want to just thank Apostle Theo and Pastor Bev for the opportunity and the privilege to share this word with you today. And I believe that the Lord is going to encourage you. I believe that He's going to stir your hearts. That's the point of the word. The word is alive. And so when we hear the word, so I was saying to the Bible college students on Thursday night, you know, it's not knowing the word that causes change to happen. It's faith. It's continuously hearing the word. God designed it that way. You can know the word and you can know about faith and you can know about thanksgiving and you can know about these things. But knowing isn't what produces the faith. It's not what sees you through that storm. It's when faith comes, which is through hearing the word. And that's why we have son, uh, church every Sunday. It's so that we continuously are hearing the word. And while I'm at it, Bible College would be a great place for you to also continually hear the word. So don't forget about that great opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather together freely as your body. And, and this morning, uh, we just had a wonderful time in worship this morning. We learned about you being our way maker. And uh, we just see the bus move from in front of us. That bus can be likened to a mountain, Father. We thank you, Lord, for, for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. And, to, and this morning, as we, as we are reminded about thanksgiving and the effects of thanksgiving, I thank you, Lord, that the seed that will be sown this morning by your Spirit is planted deep in the hearts of every single person as we've prepared it during worship and that these seeds will spring forth and produce mighty trees of fruit for years to come. Things that will be said today will be remembered 20, 30 years from now. And it will deliver people. I thank you. It's because of your word. Thank you, Spirit of God. It's all because of your anointing and ability. We bless you this morning. Expectantly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you expecting God to move in your hearts this morning? Are you expecting Him to stir your hearts? Can we believe it's already November? It's like next week is Christmas, guys. It's, it's, it's crazy. The title of my message this morning is called The Thanksgiving Remedy. Since we are celebrating the month or the month that we're celebrating is Thanksgiving, uh, not in the American way, but the Thanksgiving Remedy. In other words, it means that Thanksgiving has a place and it has an effect. We could have called it the Thanksgiving Counteracts because that's another word for remedy, counteracts. And I love this definition. A counteract is to act against something or to neutralize, listen, to neutralize its force. So through thanksgiving, we have the power to neutralize forces that come against us. And that's what we're going to see in this message this morning. But let me start with giving you a thought. The thought is this. A walled city without gates is not entirely safe. Think about that. 
a walled city, no matter how wide those walls are, no matter how big, they could be, what did I call it, Jericonian walls. No matter how big the walls are, if there are no gates, that city is not entirely safe. And so if we go to the book of Nehemiah, we remind ourselves about the book of Nehemiah, where he went and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Walls represent strength. They represent safety. A city in the biblical times was not considered a city if it didn't have a wall because it was not valuable. There was nothing there to protect. And so uh, in Nehemiah, he goes to, to rebuild the wall because he was heavily troubled when he learned that the wall had been destroyed and it had been destroyed for many years already. And God stirred his heart to go and, and, and fix this. But the book of Nehemiah can be likened to salvation where when we are saved, the Holy Spirit enters into our lives and he begins to rebuild the ruins of our lives. Just like in the book of Nehemiah. Let me draw your attention to Isaiah chapter 60, verses 18. Look what it says here about cities and walls. It says, violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates Praise. So what does that mean? It means that our walls being called salvation, that's God, that's what God gives to you. He gives you the walls to your city. And praise, that's what we give to God. The strength of our lives, family, is not entirely based only on what he has done for us. It's not entirely based only on what he has done for us. It's all based on because of what he has done for all of us. Because of what he has done, we praise him. Because of what he has done, we give him thanks. Because he gave his life for us, because he saved us, because he made a way, that's why we praise him and that's why we worship him. It's not just up to the salvations or the walls of salvations. What it's saying is that there is a responsibility on our part in our protection, in the city that surrounds us, these walls Need, these gates need to be filled. The statement that I've just made is not to impose fear or paranoia about not being safe, but it is rather a summons and a responsibility that we have a role to play in our safety. And when I mean safety, I'm talking about not just safety like someone's gonna break into my house kind of safety. I'm talking about safety in life. Protection from the onslaught of the enemy. Safety from imposing danger. Which often happens up here. And can be a problem over here. And so that's what I'm referring to when I talk about safety. But I want you to see with your mind's eye this city, this actual wall that is created around the city. Many people face continuous ongoing spiritual battles because of their own compromise. Through their own compromise, they welcome into their lives, so to speak, ongoing conflict that they're not born for. They were not designed for that. 
And it basically dislocates them like a, an arm or a leg is dislocated from the body. And it dislocates them from their purpose and their design because there are holes. There are certain parts that's our responsibility to play to ensure that the enemy does not succeed and cause us to be in this continuous spiritual battle. I mean, they're constantly aware of spiritual warfare and they think that that's the nature of their lives, but that's not the nature of their life. God does not intend for us to continuously be fighting off the enemy. That's not the plan. That's already been done. If you find yourself living a life like that and you feel like, yo, brother, I'm in continuous spiritual warfare every single day. I'm fighting for my life, basically. That's not where you're supposed to be. In Revelations chapter 21, the Bible talks about the new Jerusalem. This is how it is supposed to be. And the city is a walled city that comes down after the return of Christ. And this walled city, and there's a bit of details given about the walls, even the foundations, and there's a great significance about this. But this city has gates. And it says that these gates will be made out of one solid pearl. One solid pearl. This has got to be one of the strangest metaphors in the Bible that I've heard of, where a solid pearl is a gate. Would you say that that's weird? Would you say that that's weird? A solid pull makes a gate, and there will be 12 of these, of course, in the New Jerusalem, because there are 12 gates in the city, each one made of a solid pull. Now, let's just stop and think for a moment how pearls are formed. Why did God choose for it to be a pull and a solid pull at that? How are pearls formed? Well, we know that pearls are formed inside oysters, right? But a pearl isn't formed because that's nature's way of creating something beautiful so that you can bless your wife with a wonderful pearl necklace. A pearl is made because there is an irritation inside the oyster. And because of that irritation, it could be a cut, it could be uh, uh, something that has uh, wedged itself into the flesh of that oyster, so immediately it begins to create the pearl to protect itself, but it means that there is friction. That's what creates the pearl, friction. So what does that mean? It means that gates aren't formed because I give praise for a raise at work. Now, of course, that's what I do. I give thanks and praise, certainly. But gates are formed when I give praise in the middle of difficulty. That's why they're the gates that are made of pearls because we give God praise in the middle of difficulties. And so we have a walled city and these gates that create a place of safety. And these gates uh, of praise are two things. Number one, they provide protection from the onslaught of the enemy. That what he intended to use against us is now removed from his hand. We've disarmed him, he's dislocated now. The weapons of the enemy are destroyed through thankfulness. Say that, the weapons of the enemy are destroyed through thankfulness or through thanksgiving. It removes the tools that he was gonna use against us. Why? Because you're now starting to play with God's tools. A nice feeling to know you can take Satan's tools from him. And secondly, praise invites God into our lives. Look at what it says in Psalm 24, verse 7 concerning this. It says, lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, 
you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. So these gates are there to invite God in. In fact, um, the, we have a gate that the Lord can come in through, but the enemy can got, cannot. The same gate invites in one, but it repels the other. These are very special gates. They're very powerful gates. They have a great purpose. That's why God put them there. In 1 Corinthians chapter in 1 Corinthians, Paul, on two occasions, has this interesting dialogue that he has concerning food and what we are allowed to eat. And on one of these occasions, he says that if your neighbor is sacrificing some animal to his demon god, and you know that they did, and you know that they know, that you know that they did. Then Paul says, don't eat it. Not because it will harm you, but because it will violate their conscience. So it is in, it's to protect them. But then he goes on to say that if they don't know that you know, and you know that they don't know that you know, then you should eat it. So let's just... In fact, elsewhere in the Bible, Paul says that all food that you receive with prayer and thankfulness is sanctified. And this is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5. So let's have a look. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated or it is sanctified because we receive it with thanksgiving. So let's follow the logic here right now, just concerning what Paul said, okay? Here we have this chunk of meat that my neighbor has just offered to some demon God that he serves. He doesn't know that I know, but I know because I watched him do it. And then he invites me over for dinner. And I saw these demon powers surrounding him as he offered them this offering. And I know that the enemy wants to destroy me through this that I'm about to eat. And I receive it into my life and I give thanks. My thankfulness just sanctified what was previously empowered by the enemy to bring destruction into my life. So what's that saying? It says thankfulness sanctifies. Is that a powerful illustration? So when you're in the middle of a horrific situation, it's not about chasing the devil away. It's about turning our heart toward the celebration of who God is in every situation. That's what thanksgiving is. If you're gonna give the Lord a praise of thanks, then let's give the Lord a praise of thanks. And it anchors our soul into that absolute victory that's been promised to each one of us even those of you that are at home watching here. I wanna to go to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verses 16 and 18. I'm gonna stick around here for the rest of the message. It says here, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. I want you to say that after me. Say, rejoice always, in everything give thanks, and pray without ceasing. Let's say it again. Let's say, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. 
Do you know that the scripture ends by saying, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I wonder if we see the effects of thankfulness in our human heart or of the spiritual effect that it has on our surroundings. There is a sanctifying, there is a cleansing that takes place simply by thankfulness. There are two remedies that thankfulness provides. The first one is thankfulness automatically puts us in a position of humility. We recognize when we come before God and we give him thanks for what he has done in our lives, we are automatically announcing that it is not by our doing. We are automatically magnifying God and recognizing God for who he is, the one who delivers us from every situation, the one who is faithful to his promises, the one who has helped us in the past, and therefore we know that our future is set and we'll be okay no matter what it is that we're facing. That's what thankfulness does. Secondly, thanksgiving will take you places in knowing God's ways. You know, when you get to know God's ways, you get to know God, that's a different level than to just knowing his works. Like, uh, um, not just knowing his acts, okay? So knowing God for who he is, the provider in the case of Abraham, when he was about to sacrifice his son Isaac, God for the very first time revealed himself to Abraham as the provider. And he put a ram in the thicket as uh, the substitute for the sacrifice that he was about to make for his son Isaac. But what happened in that moment is he was announcing to Abraham, I am your provider. And from that moment forward, Abraham began to know that God is his provider. Or in the days of Moses, in the case of Moses, where he asked God, he wanted to know who he was through his ways. You see, Israel was acquainted with the acts of God, but Moses was acquainted with his ways. He was on a different level to the people of Israel. They were just concerned about what, you know, what he could do, but Moses was concerned about who he was. In Exodus chapter 33, verses 13, we see the prayer of Moses there. Show me now your way that I may know you. We don't know God through his acts. We know God through his ways. When we choose to decide, those are the same two words, but when we choose to know his ways, it's bringing us into a closer relationship with God. A key to emotional health is rejoicing always. You wanna live in good emotional health? Rejoice God always. Let me use golf as an analogy. I'm sure many of you here are avid golfers. I've not played in a while. I used to enjoy playing the game, but I feel that it's still a powerful game as far as analogies are concerned. So let's just talk about golf. We understand the idea is you have a ball in front of you and you have a club and you have to hit the ball and the end goal is to get the ball in the hole, right? Ball in the hole, say ball in the hole. It's got absolutely nothing to do with what I want to share with you. But anyhow, I just felt it was nice for you to say that. Ball in the hole. Okay. It doesn't sound as pretty in Afrikaans. Anyhow, let's carry on. So, the idea is that when you want to strike the ball, there is a backswing that needs to take place first. And this backswing, this is our thanksgiving because we remember what God has done in our lives. As we take that back swing, swing ready to strike the ball, we remember God, you're the one who provided for me even when I messed up, when I didn't deserve it, when I made dumb decisions and you covered me anyway. 
you used a doctor over here and you used a lawyer over there to, d- to deliver me out of very difficult situations. I was in a crisis and I thought that you would deliver me in a certain way, but you didn't. But you never left me and you walked me through that into triumph. That's what our backswing is. It's remembering God. It's remembering what he's done. And as uh, you are reviewing your yesterday and God's faithfulness, you automatically pick up a sense for where you're going. Because the whole idea with this backswing is that when you come down to strike the ball, you don't stop there. With the backswing and the strike, this, the ball is today. This is our yesterday, remembering and giving thanks for, to God for what he's done. When we strike the ball, that's today. And the follow-through is so important. The follow-through is what decides where we're gonna go. And as a result of the thanksgiving, when we deal with today, we can see where it is that we're gonna go in the future and we will be delivered. That's the idea. You see, because before there is a problem, there is a solution. One of the most astonishing things to me in the word of God is that it says in Revelation chapter 13, verses eight, it says, the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. The point is before there was sin, there was a savior. Before there was a problem, there was a solution. So what is it that you can come up with that he didn't already have a solution for? Thankfulness is what helps me create hope. The best description that I know of hope or biblical hope is the joyful anticipation of good. In other words, being excited now for what is about to happen. Hope gives us the opportunity of experiencing the emotional benefit of the miracle before it even happens. We have the ability to explore the emotion of victory before the victory happens. Hope gives us access to that. And it's thanksgiving that creates that momentum of hope. Rejoicing is the key to emotional health. When we rejoice, it helps us in our emotional health. The kinds of expressions that are required for our physical responses in rejoicing. There are physical expressions required when we talk about rejoicing. God didn't say, shout for joy, all you extroverts. Is that what it says in the word? And he goes on to say, and the introverts, you just think happy thoughts and I'll be good with that. That's gonna work fine for me. No, God said, shout for joy, all you people, period. He requires an external action. It requires an external action. That changes our capacity. Well, let me say it like this. There is something about our expression that changes our capacity to experience what God is doing and what he is about to do. Something is transformed in us through the physical outward obedience. In other words, by giving thanks, we're doing something outwardly to demonstrate our thanks to God. Sometimes it can be kneeling on the ground, lying on, with your face down on the ground. Sometimes it can be raising your hands, maybe a dance, maybe crying, lifting up your voice. Sometimes it's giving what's in your pocket to that person that's in need. But there is an external action. Let me tell you this about rejoicing. Rejoicing takes faith. It does take faith. I'm not saying that it's just easy and automatic. It's easy to bow your head and sing about God's worth than it is to celebrate his worth. The second thing, and we, uh, sorry, and you have to have some sort of confidence that you are accepted to rejoice. 
If you feel like God doesn't even love you, it's going to be very difficult to rejoice. But look what it says. It says, it says rejoice always. So I'm letting you know that God always is open to your rejoicing. You are always accepted by God. The second thing in that verse in Thessalonians chapter 5 is that we should give thanks in everything. A key to mental health is to give thanks in everything. If you begin to make that your lifestyle, give thanks in everything. I know what it's like to give thanks in everything, and I also know what it's like to stop doing that because of a hurt or a disappointment. Where before, even when groceries were taken out of the boot of the car, I would say, thank you, Lord, for the groceries that we were able to buy. Whatever. Thank you, Lord, for you know, watering the garden. Thank you that I have a garden to water. Stuff like that. That was my lifestyle. But I also know what it's like to push against that to the point where I forget to do that. And I also know what it's like to be revived once again and to come around and begin to recognize God in my life despite the fact that there were hurts and pains. So key to mental health is giving thanks in everything. Facing difficulty with thanksgiving is not denial. It's owning up to the fact that God will deliver you. It's owning up to the fact that he will deliver you from whatever you are dealing with. Owning up to the challenge with an attitude that God will take me through this. Thanksgiving is you declaring that. It's owning up. It's facing the challenge, not burying your head in the sand. Yes, there are challenges, but we own up to those challenges and we do it in thanksgiving, knowing that God has got this. We need to practice this now. We heard in celebration of all, you know, the way the world is just spiraling, spiraling out of control. We can see it for ourselves, right? We can see it everywhere, all around us. It's so evident, it's so obvious. It's obvious. And so we need to practice it now. Practice Thanksgiving because these storms are coming. The storm is brewing, the perfect storm. That's what Apostle Theo called it. The perfect storm is busy being created. We're not gonna struggle through this. We have remedies, we have tools. Remember my title says, to act against something to neutralize its force. The remedy of thanksgiving. The last one in the scripture is to pray without ceasing. The command to pray without ceasing is the key to heart health. Apostle Theo spent many hours explaining the importance of the condition of our heart. Obviously the physical heart, but more our spiritual heart, right? Let's just be reminded by Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. All the issues that we have in life, be it family and jobs and, and, and personal health and all of these things, they are determined by the state of our heart, literally like our physical blood pump heart. If that puppy dog stops working, if you don't protect the boom boom heart, then nothing's gonna work in your body. In the same way, our spirit heart, our spirit man, we must guard it above all else because all of the issues of life flow from it. So why did God, what God is saying is we must put extra effort into this one thing because it affects every single area of our lives. 
talking about prayer. Remember, pray always. Apostle Theo is doing a series right now on prayer and the 10 benefits of praying in the spirit. And we have to keep hearing it over and over as it's the number one area that we get distracted from so easily is from prayer. The more we expose ourselves to something, the more we become like that. So the more you expose yourself to praying and get into that habit, the more you become like that. And that's where change happens. You see, the problem is many people pray enough to ease their conscience, but not enough to make a difference. Is that you? We pray just enough to ease our conscience, but are we really pressing in and expecting a change to happen? Are we praying to make a difference? Prayer is a full-time responsibility of the believer. Let me paint a picture for you of the heart of God concerning prayer. I believe that the Father wants the earth to be filled with a fruitfulness in answers to your prayers. In other words, you were designed to meet with the creator of all, the life giver, to make petitions and requests and make decrees and proclamations. And as a result, see the course of history changed and the answers of God sprinkled all over the earth through our prayers that there is to be fruitfulness. I don't think that it has come to mind how much God looks for fruitfulness. And in the simplest, he looks for increase in the simplest things. That's what fruitfulness is, it's increase. If you think about the talents when they were handed out, the, the one who got the one talent, remember that story? He went and hid it in the ground because he was afraid that he might lose that talent. And what did God say to him who was ultimately the master in the story? He said to him, why didn't you at least put it in the bank so that we could have gained a bit of interest? You see, God is looking for increase. He's looking for fruitfulness. God is not gonna give you insights for prayer to increase your knowledge. He's gonna give you insights for prayer to make you more fruitful. So the earth will be filled with the fruitfulness of the answers of the prayers of the saints. Prayer is an invitation really of God to come into a place where we actually make a difference in the course of history, the history of this church, the history of your lives, the history of your children's lives, the history of your business, the history of this country, and ultimately the history of this world. Many here are sitting and have a passion to pray. You have a desire to pray. And we have groups that you can be involved in. Did you know that? We have prayer groups. And I encourage you, if you're stirred in your heart today to start praying, maybe you had a prayer group once in the old Christian city days, perhaps, you even coming back from that point, and, you, and that's died. And there's something has been revived in your heart. I encourage you to get hold of the church, get into groups, get into a prayer group and pray with people who have that same passion to pray. It's a wonderful way to commit yourself to something, to be accountable, to force you to, to, to pray basically so that you can get into the habit of praying. Because did it not say pray without ceasing? So it means consistently, listen here, consistency in prayer is crucial to see results. We have to pray without ceasing. I'm reminding of, reminding, listen, I'm reminded and I enjoy the story of John Maxwell when he had a heart attack. I don't enjoy the fact that he had a heart attack, but I enjoy what he says about one of the things that he learned out of that experience, it was in his 50s, uh, when he had now been in hospital and the recovery had happened and he was sitting in his surgeon's office the surgeon said to him, look, from now on, you're gonna to have to change many things in your life. And he said, I'm ready, tell me what it is. And he first started with the food groups that he needed to change, his, his eating habits and the foods that he had to eat. And so he battled through that because he, all of his five major food groups, he says, were taken away. 
you know, like cake and uh, chocolates and all that sort of thing. And, and then the doctor said to him, and then, John, you're going to need to start exercising every day. And I mean, you have to exercise every day. And he said, doctor, you, I've, I've got it. You can consider it done. And the doctor looked at him and smiled and said, I appreciate that, but I highly doubt that. And he said, why would you say that? And he said, because just about every one of my patients, 99% of my patients, when they sit here after something like this has happened, they say they're going to make the changes. And they, I mean, we're talking about a heart attack here, okay? And he says within a couple of months, they've slipped back into their old ways. That's the truth of the matter. Anyhow, so he says, he says I went and I bought myself some new exercise clothes because I didn't have any old ones. And he went and got um, a treadmill and he started from day one, he climbed onto that treadmill and he began to work at 30 minutes. He slogged on that treadmill. He says the first time I felt like his heart was going to stop again. And when he got off of that treadmill, he went to the scale. And when he stood on the scale, guess what? Nothing happened. The second day, again, he was determined. He got back onto that treadmill and he slogged it out for 30 minutes. He gave it his all. He summited Everest on that second day. And when he got off, he climbed onto the scale. Nothing happened. The third day, he got back onto that treadmill and he slogged it out for 30 minutes. He gave it all that he had. When he got off the scale, uh, the treadmill, he said, Mr. Scale, you ain't gonna lie to me today. And when he got onto that scale, guess what happened? Nothing. And on the fourth day, after he'd slogged it out again for 30 minutes, he gave it his all. When he got off that treadmill and he climbed onto the scale, it moved. He'd lost a couple of pounds and he thought, yes. And I love what he says. He says, in that moment, he felt physically superior. The point is, he had to remain consistent. Just because we pray doesn't mean the answer comes immediately. Just because we give thanks to God doesn't mean the answer comes immediately. We have to remain consistent. And it's in that consistency. He was a winner. He was a winner every morning when he got onto that treadmill. He was already a success. It only showed up on the fourth day. We have to keep praying. We have to keep reading the word. We have to keep trusting God because it could be after that next prayer, the thousandth time that the breakthrough comes. We have to remain consistent and believe that when God says he will deliver us, he will deliver us. Praise the Lord. So here we have it. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing or pray and don't stop and in everything give thanks. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. This is the lifestyle of the child of God. And what happens? We form pearl gates, solid gates of pearls around the city of salvation that God has already placed around us. And we begin to go through life and even though the enemy is still trying his onslaught, we don't even know it's happening sometimes. We don't even know because we're completely protected. And we walk through life that way. And so I'd like right now, as you've been encouraged, I believe that your heart has been stirred. With the band, you can come up, guys, to the front over here. We're gonna take a, a moment and we're gonna express our thankfulness to the Lord this morning. We're gonna sing a song called Gratitude. So you can stand, family. We're gonna sing the song called Gratitude. And this is what I want. As you're singing the song, I want you to think about the pearls that are being formed at every entrance to the city that God has prepared for you. 
I want you to see that this gate only allows God in and it repels the enemy. I want you to see all these things that we've spoken about this morning. I want you to see that you are victorious. No matter what you're facing, God will see you through it as we give Him praise and, and see yourself committing to this lifestyle as you worship in God. But just mean every word as you sing it right now. Thank you, band. You can take it away. Let's worship the Lord.
Praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much Now nothing else fit for my King Except for a heart singing worship your holy name we give you praise honor and glory thank you that we could be here and we could give you praise and thank you that we can be here and worship you in your presence father as we've learned this morning lord that you've given us salvation and it's our responsibility to praise you and when we do father we are creating total security for us father we can let rest in peace that you are always there for us. We see your faithfulness. This morning, Father, I pray for every single person that is here in this room and, and those that are watching online and wherever they may be right now in the mom's room and in the family room. Father, that there will be a habit formed in the lives of every single person. That this message will not be forgotten. That, Father, that we will begin to thank you in every situation in our lives. We will thank you, Father, when we are uh, facing difficulty, we will raise up, rise up and rejoice. We will form those pearl gates, protect us, remove every compromise and defeat the enemy, Father. We thank you this morning. I thank you. I bless every single person, whatever challenge they may be facing as they just stood in your presence this morning and gave you praise. They were already rejoicing for the victory. Thank you, Father God, for, for always bringing that to our remembrance. Did you not say, Lord, in your word that the Spirit of God will bring to our remembrance the things that you have said? So I thank you, Spirit of God, that you will trigger memories you will trigger memories for people to turn to praise, for them to turn to prayer, for them to turn to rejoice and not to turn to stress and not to turn to anxiety, but Father, that in their, nat their natural response will become the supernatural response in the name of Jesus. And those that have made commitments to you today, I know that some private things were said as we worshiped you. Father, I pray that you will help us just like you promised in the book of Philippians. You said in Philippians 2, 17, I believe it is, that you will give us the desire to serve you. I pray, Father, that you give us the desire to pray, that you give us the desire to worship, that you give us the desire to rejoice, even in the midst of that anger and that rage when we have this outbreak of anger. Father, bring that memory, I pray, that it overrides that spirit of anger in the name of Jesus, and we will fall to our knees and give you thanks no matter how bad the news. In Jesus' name, I thank you for blessing your people in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Do you receive that this morning? You receive that prayer in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. I'm gonna ask uh, for you to take your seats. And as you take your seats, would you please keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed? There are people here this morning that have never had the privilege of giving God thanks for their salvation for they have never been saved. They've never had the opportunity or perhaps they have had the opportunity but 
have dismissed that opportunity. This morning, I wanna pray with you. I wanna help you to be able to say, thank you for my salvation. And in order to thank God, it must mean that you receive it. So if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I wanna pray with you. You know, God sent His Son to die for you so that you don't have to have a destructive eternity in hell. And so if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm gonna invite you to count of three to raise your hand. Secondly, if you're here and there was a time where you were close to God, you walked a tight road with Him, giving Him thanks was easy. It was a natural thing for you to do, but you recognize that you've slipped from that. There's a cavity that's grown between you and God as a result of maybe a catastrophe, a tragedy, I don't know. The point is that you're not where you should be with God. My invitation is extended to you for the Lord stands up here right now with His arms stretched wide, welcoming you back into the family. He'll never reject you. Then you can also raise your hand. And thirdly, if you're here this morning and you don't know, if I asked you the question, if you should die, do you know where you'll spend eternity? If you don't know the answer to that question, then you need to raise your hand when I count to three because folks, you cannot play with your eternity. So if you wanna give your life to Jesus, you wanna come back to the Lord, or you wanna make sure that your eternity will be spent in heaven, the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, raise your hand right now. Don't leave this building, thank you for those hands. Don't leave this building not sure about your salvation. That will be the biggest mistake you could ever make. If anybody else wants to be included in this prayer, you can raise your hand right now. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you for that hand. That is a bold step. Thank you so much. Please keep your hands raised. The reason why I'm asking you to keep your hands raised is because we're gonna have uh, one of our dream team as a leader in the church is gonna come and just place their hand on your shoulder. If there's anyone now in the next three seconds, this is your chance. You can raise your hand and we're gonna have a leader come uh, to you and just put their hand on you. And we're gonna just stand in agreement with you. If you don't have someone with you, just raise your hand. Maybe your hand, I do see a hand over there. Just raise your hand nice and high. Let me tell you this, the Bible doesn't say that in order for you to be saved, you have to raise your hand. That's not a requirement. But it's a way that you can demonstrate to God right now, I'm accepting what Jesus did for me. He died naked on a cross. All you need to do is raise your hand. It's just a sign of surrender, folks. That's all that it is. And so we're gonna pray. And even in the, in the family room, uh, there are people there that are with those that have raised their hands and those of you at home, I want all of you to pray this prayer with me and I want you to hear these words. It's a simple prayer, but it's about to change your life for eternity. So I want everybody to say this with me right now. Say, dear heavenly father, I thank you for Jesus that you sent him to this earth, that he died on the cross for my sake and that you rose him from the dead on the third day. That was your demonstration of what the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I surrender to you. I make you the Lord of my life. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin. And Lord, if I were to go right now, I know that I would be with you in heaven. For I am 
a child of God. Amen. 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 Praise. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 